1: Many of us live life stressed out, ready to be triggered, but are we really at the mercy of something outside us? According to today's guest, Guy Finley, stress is an unseen killer that crushes its victims with the pressure of their own thoughts. When we understand where those thoughts come from and what they really mean, that pressure is released. Guy joins us today to give us tools to help us live a stress-free life. Guy is an internationally renowned spiritual teacher and best-selling self-help author. Welcome, Guy. Thank you so much for coming back on the show.
0: Thank you, Joan. It's nice to be with you again.
1: I always enjoy our conversations, Guy, and I think that today's discussion is going to be particularly important because so many of us are on edge. We're anxious, we're sad, we're nervous, we're just waiting for something bad to happen. And with everything that's happening with the coronavirus and, and so much sickness, more than ever, it's easy to get caught up in the negative thought patterns. You say that when we understand where those thoughts come from and what they really mean, that the pressure is released. So can you explain what it is that you mean when you say that the pressure is released?
0: I'd be happy to, Joan. It isn't something that most of us think about or realize, but Joan, we all live literally in a world the size of our understanding, And when our present level of understanding includes the essentially mistaken belief that our psychological, emotional well-being depends upon the conditions unfolding outside of us, then because of that mistaken dependency for our sense of well-being on people and places and conditions outside of us, that, that limited understanding limits us to a very small set of reactions, and that's what we're held captive by. We don't understand yet that we can have an understanding of ourselves that instead of being limited by its perception, is made limitless in its ability to use these problems, these really painful moments in time to our advantage. That's why it's always been said, at least in the Far East and more older religions and teachings, the word crisis is also the word for opportunity. Mm -hmm. That's what we're exploring.
1: And I know, Guy, I have spent so much of my life with the expectations of the way things are or were supposed to be. And when it didn't turn out the way I expected it to, that caused so much stress and anxiety and pain and worry and, and any word that you can come up with along that those lines yeah. and and that's yeah. really because i had this vision of how i thought it should be
0: yes here's a little simple way of getting our hands on this idea stress exists because we insist stress exists because we insist. And that isn't to say that the stress that we feel isn't debilitating, because it is. But when we can begin to get our minds wrapped around real knowledge, self-knowledge, then we experience the release from that stress, because we understand the mistaken identity derived out out of insisting on things that we do. Look, we can't get negative, stressed out without having something in us, as you just pointed out, that meets a moment already sure of how that moment is supposed to unfold. So that when the moment doesn't go the way we have imagined it, we believe the pain we're experiencing is because of the content of the moment. But the moment and the content... Does't exist as a stressful factor unless some part of us in the in the in the dark of us is clinging to that expectation as the only possibility for our happiness and contentment. As we see these things, we are released from that mistaken identity because that's what it boils down to Joan is literally it's it's a, an identity crisis that we don't have to go through once we understand that that sense of ourself is derived from a mistaken idea about life and ourselves.
1: And that changes everything guy, because it gives us back the power we're thinking we're a victim and powerless, but it's what we're setting ourselves up for. So then we can shift it.
0: Exactly. 100% correct. No moment in and of itself has any authority over our mind, heart, or body. Our responsibility if we want to be released from what feels like the captivity uh, of the COVID virus, of being quarantined, and God forbid, losing our job or our health. Our authentic power is to recognize that we can use these very same moments to enter into the, how shall I say, the level of consciousness, the way we understand the moment and change our understanding. When we change the nature of the perceiver, we change the strength of the problem produced by that mistaken perception.
1: Okay, so we understand a a little bit better now the why. So when we feel ourselves getting stressed out, what is something that we can do? Is there a practice that you can teach us to help us break the cycle?
0: Yes, I think, The first thing that we need to do, and it's always, look, Joan, everybody, until we have new self-knowledge, we cannot expect any way in which we're going to see the world in a new way. We see the world around us through our understanding of it, so that when we change the understanding, as I'm about to describe, then we can begin to change the way in which we relate to the world. Here is a very important idea, everybody. We believe that, for instance, wishing that things aren't the way they are, regretting, resisting our situation, is the same as somehow or other separating ourselves from the condition we don't want. It's, it's, it's common. It's familiar. For instance, I wish I wasn't feeling this way. But Joan and everybody, when we are sitting at home, at the office, driving somewhere and wishing that we weren't going through what we're going through, Joan, as advocate for the the listener, where is my attention in the moment where I'm wishing that my life wasn't so bad? Mm -hmm. On what is my attention?
1: Well, I mean, I know in in my case, it's usually what I don't want to have happen is what I'm giving all of my attention to.
0: Yes, exactly. So, I'm literally staring at and identifying one hundred percent with the very thing that's making me feel like I don't want to feel right It's right. like going to a museum and out of a hundred pictures on the wall, sitting down and staring at the one that I hate the most so, who's responsible? the museum or me because i'm my mind belongs to something I'm not aware of, and it is busy. Uh, being attracted to and then deriving an identity from the very thing that's says, me, God, I don't want to feel like this. Well, if I want to stop feeling like I'm feeling, let me take my attention back and place it on something that is positive, constructive, and upward-heading instead of downward-dragging.
1: Right. And that's the last thing that we do. You're right.
0: Because we're unconscious, Joan. Right. We just... We literally don't want to accept the fact that our mind and the stress in it goes on the way it does because we're not present to ourselves. We believe that the pain we feel over the predicament we're in is inescapable when we are secretly complicit in the continuation of that conflict. If we even get an inkling of that idea and see the truth of it, we're on our way to a new kind of freedom from stress and anxiety.
1: Guy, like so many of us, you know, I was talking before about how I thought there was a particular way that my life was going to play out. And when it did, I had to make the types of decisions and adjustments that you've been describing. I I had to do the work. And when you were younger... You thought your life was heading in a different direction. You were raised in Hollywood and you had a music career and, you know, you had expectations of how things were to be as well. When did you realize that what you were holding on to didn't serve you well? And then how did you make those changes?
0: I love the question, Joan. Look, and you will, I'm sure, uh, go. And, and say that you know the following is true. The, the saying that um, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Well, how many times does the teacher have to appear with the same lesson before the pain in that lesson is recognized as being evidence that it's time to let go of, and this is key, not necessarily the the thing itself, but the part of me that's clinging to it. For instance, a lot of us suffer, as you've described, over life suddenly throwing the the Mm -hmm. curveball. How did I wind up without a job? How did I wind up worried about my health to the extent that I'm worrying so much I'm ruining my health? How do these things happen to us and when do we learn the lesson in them? When at last, as I believe it was, uh, there's an old saying: the definition of insanity is you keep doing the same thing, hoping for a different outcome. So when we fight with the condition and change our plan, our approach, all the things connected to the 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 pain of the moment, and nothing changes, but the pain remains. We need to get the idea that we don't fully understand what the real situation is because we can't separate the situation we're experiencing from the level of self that is giving us that experience. Joan, we don't look in a mirror and expect what we see in the mirror to be different than the one standing in front of it. But we look out at this world, this life, and expect it to be different than the way we're experiencing ourselves in it. We have to wake up.
1: Guy, when someone practices what you teach, what can their
0: life look like? Every single day, a new lesson, a new revelation, and a new kind of release from who and what we were the day before. We are meant, Joan, every day of our lives to not reject the revelation of the moment, meaning what is this moment teaching me about myself right now? Not what do I want from this moment that it's not giving me, but what does my insistence about the moment bring me because of that part of me demanding what it does. As we make the grand connection that our experience of life cannot be separated from the demands we place upon it, then we discover a new kind of success where we're not denied what it is that our heart and and mind longs for, but rather we receive moment to moment those kind of rewards that come with doing what? Changing what it is that we want from life. Because as we recognize life is actually trying to give us a contentment, a consolation, a freedom that we can't give ourselves because of the demands we have, we drop the demands. And as we wake up that way, lo and behold, we are given the power to walk away from these painful uh, states of stress, worry, fear all of which are born by a certain unseen insistence we have on life.
1: When you had said before, when when you quoted, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, that is exactly what happened to me as well. Because when I went through all of that pain and loss, and and I was at that point where, you know, I describe it as a fork in the road, but I knew that I couldn't stay where I was any longer. And I didn't want to. And that was what it right. took for me to make the change. But you're yeah. right. When when you look and you're ready, the answers do come.
0: There's no question about it. it and, and the beautiful thing is, Joan, and you're alluding to it, it really isn't that the answers come. <laughs> it's that they've always been spread out on a, a feast table right in front of us. Right. It's just that right. we don't <laughs> – We just <laughs> there's something in us that just goes, no, I don't want that. Right. Right. When the pain gets too bad, and we finally realize that holding on is what hurts, not the moment itself, but holding on to our idea about how people are supposed to be, how this government or this political party, or these whatever it is they're not progressing the way I want them to, we can understand. Doesn't mean that I don't have preferences, but when we start to understand that unconscious preference is the source of our pain then we can begin to let go of that identification with that part of us that says unless the world goes the way we want it to go we're going to go to hell in a handbasket well who wants to take themselves down into some dark state because they're they're clinging to an anchor that they don't recognize as being one that's really that simple
1: Guy, you have a new e-course out that's entitled Secrets of Success Without Stress. Can you tell us a little bit about this
0: program? I'd be happy to. This idea of success without stress all points to the factor that we've been looking at together that our experience of life is a derivative of the way in which we see it. And until we change the way we see life We're not going to change the way we experience it. So the real interior work isn't struggling to try to get the world to line up with our expectations, but rather to become conscious of this part of us that has already lined out exactly what it believes it must have to be happy, so that in the recognition that the bitterness, the sense of having life broken up into pieces is a result of these beliefs we have, then we begin to let go of the beliefs that are breaking us down. The world isn't breaking us down. We are clinging to something that is holding us down. Success without stress is the recognition that life is actually set up for our success, that every moment brings to us as the true teacher, the revelations we need to release ourselves from a mistaken identity. The more release we experience, the more relief we have, the more relief, the more we realize we were created to be successful, men and women, in the spiritual sense. And until we have that success, it doesn't matter what we take from the world.
1: And once again, Guy's e-course is Secrets of Success Without Stress. If you would like to learn more about this program or any of Guy's programs, his books, or any of his work, you can visit GuyFinley.org. And that site is a wealth of information. Again, that's GuyFinley.org. Or as always, you can visit our website, CYACYL.com, which stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. Guy, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with?
0: Two things quickly. First, since the COVID virus crisis, I've taken all of the classes that I give online for free. They're streamed live twice a week, and everyone listening is invited to join the free meetings where we talk about success without stress. And thats you just go to uh, guyfinley.org slash let go guyfinley.org slash let go and you'll be able to sign up for free nothing to join and you can join me online twice a week we have dialogues and a wonderful discussion about these things and the takeaway is this Joan everything that life brings to us brings to us for the sake of helping us discover that within us already lives a better truer order of consciousness another level of ourselves that already waits for us if we will do the work to realize our relationship with it so that we use every relationship with life to realize success without stress.
1: Guy, thank you so much for spending this time with us. I always enjoy speaking with you.
0: As I do with you, Joan, because your questions are always good ones and we have a good time. It goes too quick, but we'll have another one maybe Soon.
1: That's okay. We'll have you back on very soon. So again, thank
0: you. Thanks what Be well.
1: This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to primohealthsolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best.
1: In today's supercharged do-it-now world, convenience is key. Now you can listen to conversations with Joan at a time that's best for you. Simply visit your favorite podcast site, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or Google, Search for Conversations with Joan and subscribe. New shows drop every Monday. You can also access the podcast through our website, CYACYL.com. Start your week on a positive note. Listen to Conversations with Joan. productive life but sometimes we just need a little help our coach on call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now joining me today is allison carmen a business consultant life coach and author of the gift of maybe offering hope and possibility in uncertain times allison's podcast 10 minutes to less suffering provides simple tools to reduce daily stress and worry she's here today to discuss the gift of maybe welcome allison thanks for joining us Oh, thanks for having me, Joan. So, Allison, many of us have goals and dreams, things that we want to achieve, but we worry that these things might never happen, especially when we don't see any signs of forward movement. I know in my life, it's really easy to want to give up and allow our ambitions to create pain or to create dissatisfaction in our life. So why do you think this happens? How can we have goals, but at the same time, not worry so much about the future? Joan, that's a great question. I think a
3: lot of us have a fear of uncertainty. Either we're afraid that we'll lose the things that we have in our lives, the things that we cherish, or we fear we can't have the life that we want. We can't achieve the goals that we want. We can't have the relationships that we want. We worry that things are not going to work out. And what we do in order to manage this is that we think we know how things will happen. We write stories about what needs to happen for us to be okay. And then when things don't work out, We feel like things are never going to change or they're not going to get better or when something bad happens, we're not going to recover from that either. So we're always kind of playing this game where we're worried about life, we're worried about the future. And so if we have a goal or we have a story about what we believe needs to happen for us to be okay, if it doesn't happen, we're going to live in so much pain. And what this also does, it steals our hope. Because if you think about it, if you're so afraid that life's not going to work out, it's hard to live with that hope and that openness and that possibility that you can have the things that you want. And this great philosopher, Kushnamurti, said, you know the reason why I'm happy? I'm happy because I don't mind what happens. And if you think about it, if we didn't mind what happened, of course we'd be happy because we'd live every day in the moment and we'd be open and we'd be expansive and we believe that life would take us where it needed to go. But we have mortgages and we have jobs and we have children. So we mind things. So The key is, how can we mind less? Because the more we could let go of our fear of the unknown, the more expansive we could be, the more we could live in possibility and we could release that pain. And I know most people listening know that feeling when they're able to let go. It's this feeling of great relief. And I think if we could just remember this, could remember that the unknown is really our best friend because if you want your life to change it has to happen in the unknown if you want to achieve your goal if you want a new relationship if you want anything in your life to be different the unknown is where it's going to happen and so what i like to do is i found because i was addicted to certainty because if i didn't know what was going to happen i projected things were going to be bad or were not going to work out So what I've done in my life is I've embraced this idea of maybe. And what maybe is, it's this open space that reminds me all the time. You're not doomed. You're not stuck. Life always changes. And there are these mantras that I do. Maybe everything is okay. Maybe things will get better. Maybe there's something left for me in this moment to experience. And it's just this one little word, but it reminds you again and again and again that everything still might be okay even though you feel scared and even though you don't know what's going to happen next life always moves forward and we will move forward with life so there's this idea that that this opening and this this idea of maybe that maybe we are okay and if we could just remember that uncertainty is our best friend and maybe everything's okay and life will keep changing, we will find the hope and resilience to always find our way.
4: Is
1: there an exercise or or something else that you do that you can share with us that can help us to mind less and to let go and release that fear so we can stay hopeful? Yes, and and I'd like to go back to this idea of maybe, because it sounds
3: so simple, right? It's just one little word, but we need something to help us let go. Sometimes we're, we're all so afraid of things changing, of things ending, but there's always this next breath. What happens when we're afraid of the unknown, we forget that there's going to be another opportunity in our next breath to have a different experience. And so what I like to do is I first like to ask myself, what's my biggest fear? Am I afraid that I'm not going to get this client? Um, Or are you afraid that you're not going to get a job or afraid that you'll never fall in love again? Whatever your greatest fear is, write it down and then ask yourself, am I absolutely certain that this is going to happen? And the funny thing is, we're so afraid of uncertainty, this is one time when it works to our advantage because you say to yourself, am I certain this fear is going to happen? And most of the time, we're not certain what's going to happen next. So then we could take a deep breath and say, wait a second, I'm not certain that I'm not going to get that job or I'm never going to find a job or things aren't going to change. So what else is there? And then we start to incorporate the maybe. And first, there are very broad maybe statements. Maybe everything's okay. Maybe things will get better. And then one of the most powerful ones is Maybe there's something left for me to experience in this moment. We forget that. Sometimes we get so consumed with our pain and our suffering, we forget that in that moment, there's usually something else to experience. It could be a hug, it could be the sun, or it could be a new opportunity. But when we're so busy telling the story that things are bad or we're suffering, we can't even see that extra space in the moment that's giving us something that's so beautiful. So what maybe does, it also reminds us that in the moment, there's something else. And then over time, you know, you just find these, these mantras, these maybe statements that just help you. Like for me, when I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling worried and I forget about the possibilities in life, I'll often hear myself say, maybe everything is okay. Maybe this moment is giving me something I can't see. And I take that breath and my mind comes down. And usually I do see something that's so beautiful in the moment. And it does calm me down. It does give me peace and also gives me hope because I know I'm not doomed and life will change and I promise you, you will change with it. We just need to keep an open mind and maybe it's just another tool that we can use to always stay expansive and always stay open and to make sure that we're ready always to live our best life.
1: Alison, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Alison and her work, or if you'd like to listen to her podcast 10 Minutes to Less Suffering, you can visit her website, alisoncarman.com. And as always, to hear more from Allison, you can visit our website, dot com slash Allison. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com and be sure to tell your friends.
5: I want to be
6: riding my bike. But at this moment, he's fighting leukemia.
4: St. Jude Children's Research Hospital is saving lives with pioneering research and care.
3: And we'll never have to pay St. Jude for anything. Please take a moment and visit stjude.org today.
0: This is WNYA, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City.
1: to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. With the COVID-19 pandemic, some restaurants are closed or have limited seating, causing more Americans to cook at home. Joining us today to offer tips to help us embrace home cooking is celebrity chef Alton Brown. Alton has been on the Food Network for nearly 20 years. He recently created a live YouTube show, Quarantine Kitchen. Welcome, Alton. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on, Joan. So, Alton, people are cooking at home, many of whom haven't cooked in years or even ever. What is your approach to preparing meals? What's the best advice you can offer us?
2: What I've been telling everybody during this time is to improvise. Play with your food. Don't put yourself under a whole lot of stress. So look at it this way. If you make something and you don't think it tastes great, your family's still going to eat it because where else are they going to go? I mean, eventually... (laughs) We'll get hungry enough and then seriously there's another thing i call divide and conquer which is that if you decide there's something you want to cook for say dinner you know you're at home you're working all day but you've got little spots here and there where you can break out go to the kitchen and just do a little bit of the dish maybe some slicing and dicing you need to cook some rice that way when dinner comes and there's that kind of big crunch you've gotten most of the work already out of the way the last thing is to really really pay a lot of attention to your pantry you don't have to have a lot in there, but what you do have in there really, really needs to be versatile. I always keep on hand things that I can get from the Internet. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, canned fish. Uh, my wife and I are heart of palm fans. We keep those around, uh, rice, pastas, um, and we keep things around to, to make sauces. I've been playing around a lot lately with salads because we're growing some salad greens out on our, our deck because we can't get them uh, at the grocery store. And so I've been using these new um, Healthy Choice Power Dressings, in case you've seen those. Those come in uh, four different flavors, and they're great because they uh, actually use uh, pureed vegetables, like... Uh, cauliflower and uh, red bell peppers instead of a lot of oil. So you can really taste the food. And I've been using those on a lot of salads and also with marinades and also uh, making sauces. So by keeping a pantry with some real good fundamental multi-use products, you can make a lot of meals, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner or anything in between.
1: You know, I find myself making the same things over and over again, and you kind of get into a rut. Is there any advice that you can offer to maybe help us get a little bit more creative?
2: Sure. Here's a really good example. Let's say that uh, you're making, uh, you ate tuna salad sandwiches for 17 days in a row and you are absolutely sick of them but you've still got, you know, a bunch of canned of tuna, and tuna's good for you, right? Um, I would think about um, making that into, say, a casserole, which, by the way, is a very nostalgic thing, and I think this is a, a great time for nostalgia. If you keep some frozen vegetables around, uh, you can uh, toss those uh, together with, say, a couple of eggs. If you've got a favorite dressing, um, I've been doing this a lot with these uh, the Creamy Ranch version of this uh, Healthy Choice Power Dressing. You can bake that 350 for, you know, about half an hour, and all of a sudden you've got hot dish where there was only a cold dish familiar flavors a little bit of nostalgia but not something that you're already sick of so that's that kind of adaptability of taking things that you've got and just twisting them up into a new form
1: do you think people get too nervous about cooking i grew up italian and we don't believe in recipes i mean if i would say to my grandmother how do you do this and she would say well you just know you know and so that kind of took a lot of the fear away from me because i'm not afraid to experiment so Do you think that we should push those fears aside and just have fun? I think,
2: number one, yes, you should push the fears aside. You should have fun. But the part that got left out of that that was so important was this was a conversation that you had with your grandmother, family, and the family connectivity of knowing that, well, if my grandmother shows me how to do this, I'm going to know how to do it. I can pass it on then to somebody else in the family, maybe my own children. It is so important to cook with family and that's one of the good things about quarantine right now is that a lot of times we've got at least two, if not three generations in the household. And cooking together helps to alleviate that that kind of panic that you get when you feel you're performing for other people.
1: So tell us about your new show, Quarantine Kitchen. Well, Quarantine
2: Kitchen wasn't even supposed to be a show. Uh, One night, my wife and I were getting ready to make dinner. We had no idea what we were going to make. And I was like, hey, you know what? Let's just turn on YouTube Live and see what happens. We didn't plan it, and we still don't. And it became a thing. We're getting ready to do our 19th episode. We don't wash the kitchen out. We don't clean up the pantry. We just let people see what they would really see if they were to walk in the door. Um, And... And for some reason, I think that that openness has is, is, is really kind of caught on and, and people are watching. We're moving to 8 o'clock uh, from 7 o'clock because uh, I'm going into production on um, I don't know how many seasons now of uh, Good Eats for Food Network. So I, I have to make it 8 o'clock so I've got time to get home. Um, but that's just an example of the kind of um, ways that, that food and entertainment have come together in, in, with technology to really make this a very different time.
1: And where can our listeners go to get more information about you, your shows, your recipes?
2: Well, um, I'm really excited about this new salad recipe uh, that I came up with that I call uh, I Left My Heart in Avocado, uh, which is uh, based on avocado, hearts of Tom's, and the uh, the Healthy Choice Power Dressing uh, uh, Garden French. And you can get that at ReadySetEat.com. And uh, anything else uh, that that you want from my recipes, you can get them at MeltingBound.com or Food Network.
1: Alton, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for
2: having
1: me on, Joan. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
5: Did you know that deep sleep is related to vibrant health? I'm Jill Schneider, holistic life coach, cancer survivor, and revolutionary healer. Would you like to discipline your body and mind to sleep through the night? People who have trained themselves to do that have better physical stamina and mental clarity. Here are six tips to prepare for sleep. Need I say, turn off the TV. Number one, sprinkle a couple of drops of lavender oil on your palms, rub them together and take a whiff just before taking a really hot bath. Number two, now massage areas of your body where you feel stress with coconut oil. Number three, choose a good book to read before bed. Number four, sit in a chair and meditate for 10 minutes. Clear your mind by breathing deeply. Pray if you would like. Number five, slip into that comfy, cozy bed and open your book of self-help or gentle romance. No thrillers, please. Number six, drink a small cup of sleepy time tea and you enjoy your book. If you need help in inspiring yourself to relax and sleep better, please call me Jill Einschneider, Holistic Life Coach, RevolutionaryHealer.com.
7: When deciding to list your home for sale, the goal is to sell your home at the highest price possible within the shortest period of time. Making sure that your home sells fast is an important part of this process because it makes sure that you net the most money possible. Hi, my name is Danielle Grosso from my team, GC Properties, New Jersey, within Keller Williams Realty, here to share four tips with you on how to sell your home faster and at the highest price. 1. Make buyers feel at home by decluttering your home. Pack away all personal items like pictures, awards, and sentimental belongings. 2. Since you took the time to declutter, keep it organized. Before the buyers show up, pick up toys, make the beds, clean and put away the dishes. 3. Give buyers full access. Some buyers, especially those relocating, don't have much time available. If they can't get into your house right away, they might move on to the next one, and you don't want to miss the opportunity. Four, and most importantly, price it right. With all the competition coming onto the market, you want to make sure your home is noticed. By pricing it to sell immediately, your home will be seen by the greatest amount of buyers, might get multiple offers, and will sell above the asking price. Wouldn't that be great? If you want to sell your home in the least amount of time, at the best price, with as little hassle as possible, a local realtor is a useful guide. Call them today to find out what you need to do to get your home sold. And if you have any further questions about real estate, whether that be buying, selling, or investing, please visit our website, gcpropertiesnj.com and click the contact button. I'd love to connect.
4: Do you ever feel like there is no support and you're doing things all on your own? With hypnosis, you can bring in the feeling of being supported. Hi, I'm Mary Beth Battaglia, and I am a certified clinical hypnosis practitioner. Many times people feel disconnected and the weight of the world upon them. It's not a very comfortable place to live in. Through the mind and visualization, we can create support within us and all around us. Take a moment to take a nice deep breath in and slowly let it out. And imagine yourself in a forest sitting against a tall, strong tree. Allow yourself to feel the tree having your back, feel the love from the tree, feel the support and draw from its strength to help you feel good within and supported. Allow yourself to really embrace it and see yourself moving forward in your life with the support, with the strength from the tree and just see yourself feeling complete and happy. I am Mary Beth Battaglia, and you can find out more about hypnosis at MetroHypnosisCenter.com.
6: When you're having a conversation in relationship and it's somewhat controversial, you probably want to be heard and be right. Quite often, that's what we want. And so we're maybe a little defensive, but is that right? Or do we want a result? The result being we'd like to get along. Hi, I'm Lindsay Levinson, Quality for Life Coaching. And they are two different things getting along versus being heard and being right. See, because being heard and right is our defense, then that connects to our ego. But ego's not really going to get you that far. If you want a result, then you're going to want to work with humility and truth. So, if you've got a difference of opinion, I mean, for me, I'll quickly look for a reason to say I'm sorry. And it has to be true. If I don't know what I've done yet, then I will say, I'm sorry you're hurting. I've done something wrong here because you're hurting. But let's talk further so we can figure this out. And you don't want to talk at someone by saying you this and you that because people just shut their ears you want to use words like we and use words like experience i'm having this experience i know your experience is different there isn't a right or wrong there's just different experiences going on here so we just need to talk it through and land somewhere that feels really good for both of us so you want to do a lot of that non-heated conversation so that you can both feel good but nobody is charging at another person it's not being heard and right it's just working towards a positive result. Lindsay Levinson, qualityforlifecoaching.com. Look me up. I'd love to talk to you, help you in any way I might be able to.
1: Colon cancer is reported to be the second leading cause of cancer death in the U.S. for men and women combined. Yet, most adults are not getting screened. Joining us today to talk about this disease and the importance of early detection is Dr. Lisa Boardman, an assistant professor of medicine at the Mayo Clinic College of Medicine and a consultant in the Division of Gastroenterology and Hepatology. Welcome, Dr. Boardman. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me
8: here to talk about uh, this important topic.
1: And you're right, it is very important, doctor, because it's been reported that colon cancer claimed more than 50,000 lives last year. Can you briefly explain what colon cancer is and how it progresses?
8: So colorectal cancer is a abnormal growth of cells in the colon of um, the glandular epithelium or lining, and it is a cancer that starts there and that can then spread uh, to different parts of the body in in its most advanced stages.
1: Are there usually early
8: warning signs? So I think an important message about colorectal cancer prevention is that in most cases, people don't develop warning signs too early. Mm -hmm. Um, They may have signs when they've got colorectal cancer of developing bleeding, per rectum or dark tarry stools, abdominal pain, maybe a change in their bowel habits, maybe weight loss, but the important, most important thing and what I hope that um, people will hear and really um, you know, take to heart is that colon cancer is one of those rare cancers where we actually can remove the precancerous polyp and prevent the cancer from even developing. And that's just such a better time to intervene.
1: So understanding that prevention is key, what are some of the types of screenings that are available?
8: So there are a variety of them. One is colonoscopy um, which is the test where the colon has to be cleansed and then uh, the provider inserts a video tube and looks inside of the colon and removes polyps or takes biopsies of cancer seen, And then there are several stool-based tests. One of them is called the FIT or Fecal Immunochemical Test. And that's where a stool sample gets evaluated to see if there's evidence of blood breakdown products in um, the stool. And then a more recently developed one is a targeted DNA test that combines the FIT test, but it also takes the stool sample and it looks for DNA changes from DNA that is actually collected from the stool itself because the cancer or polyps actually shed their cells into the stool and they're able to detect that and then they have a particular molecular signature that they can identify that can help uh, to identify the person who might have colon polyps
3: or cancer
8: and there's also um, a CT colonography which is a type of CAT scan that is able to reconstruct uh, and make a video that is able to see the inside of the colon and identify where there might be polyps or cancer.
1: Doctor, you always hear people complaining about the thought of having a colonoscopy done. It's something that a lot of people really dread doing. So for the average person Mm -hmm. who is in good health, and doesn't have a history of colon cancer. Is the fecal test or a Cologuard screening, is that a viable option?
8: Absolutely. I, I think, again, an important message is to do some type of colorectal cancer screening. And the using those options that I just mentioned, including the, the Cologuard test, the FIT test, are, are really viable options.
1: How often should a person be tested, and, and when should the screening begin? Screening should for certain begin by age 50, and
8: that's if a person's average risk, that they don't have a family history of colon cancer and a relative under 60 that's a first-degree relative, like a parent, a sibling, or a child, or they don't have some type of hereditary condition, or they don't have inflammatory bowel disease. So for those people that are called average risk and they're not having symptoms, all of the guidelines for sure start them by age 50. However, for people, uh, the, there has been an in incidence of colorectal cancer in people under the age of 50. And so one society, the American Cancer Society, has actually now endorsed starting that screening process at age 45. And for African-American people, the recommendation is to have Screening start at age 45.
1: Why do you think the incidence rate is rising? Does it have something to do with our diet? It could. That answer is really not known at
8: this point. There's a lot of, um, it appears not to be from hereditary hereditary conditions. Known hereditary conditions only account for 20% of the young onset colon cancer cases. But there have been associations that have suggested there could be environmental things and diet is certainly one that could be a culprit. There's also been associations um, potentially with people who live a more sedentary life. So um, decreased activity, um, even down to the level of too much television watching has been associated with, in some studies, with an increased risk for younger people getting colon cancer.
1: So having a healthy diet, exercising, having our screenings done, is there anything else that we should be doing?
8: Um It basically is living a healthy lifestyle. I think the focus about trying to avoid, like in terms of dietary, um, processed meat, red meat, trying to limit that to maybe a couple times a month, those have been associated um, with a a better chance of not developing colon cancer. Another dietary thing is uh, definitely high in vegetable diet, trying to get the five to seven servings of vegetables and some fruits. Um, have been associated. So those are things that people can do, maybe a little more specific about diet.
1: With prevention being so important, why do you believe so many people aren't getting tested?
8: I think that there's probably a couple, at least a couple of reasons. One may be a fear of finding out they have something wrong with them. And, you know, the message here is it's better to find out you have a polyp and remove it than to wait till you develop symptoms because that polyp has transformed to cancer. And so... That is a really uh, important part of prevention. And then I think another thing is the colon and kind of bowel habits and everything have a bit of a stigma associated with them. People don't want to discuss it. Um, And I think a fear, particularly if you were to get colonoscopy, people don't look forward to having to take a bowel prep, to cleanse their colon, um, kind of the invasiveness feeling of having a colonoscopy, Um, just fear about that. Um, So I think, again, stressing that there are – options so that you don't have to not do the screening because you're just so afraid of doing colonoscopy.
1: And any final thoughts? What would you like to leave our listeners with? Um, I think it's
8: so important, again, to like discuss it in your family, know your family history, and, and to not be afraid of prevention. And if your doctor doesn't bring it up, you bring it up that you want to be screened. And again, thank you so much and for contributing to our awareness about colorectal
1: cancer. And thank you so much for joining us and sharing this life-saving information.
9: If you're like me, you're networking more than before in this new virtual environment and filling your previous travel time with more and more virtual meetings. However, are you satisfied with your networking results? If not, I'd like to share with you some networking tips for increasing your sales even during a pandemic. The key to your success in sales in a virtual environment or virtually any environment is to follow a process. Networking is a methodology, whether in person or online. Analyze your networking results. If you're not happy with your results, you must do something different. Set a written goal for who you want to meet, how many prospects you want to meet, and why. It's all about the power of intention. Develop a positive attitude for networking success. Remember networking etiquette. Still arrive on time. In a virtual environment, remember to check your audio and video settings so that your fellow networkers can see and hear you clearly. If you're going to miss a meeting appointment, notify them that you cannot attend or will be late. Maintain and sustain your network. Do your research in advance, if you can, of the person you'll be meeting in a one-on-one. Give referrals. Give your time. Give tips. And you'll get in return. Leverage all of these tools you have and you'll see more wins. If you'd like to learn more, feel free to reach out to me, Bertha Robinson, at 732-705-5060 or visit my website at star1professional.com.